before we get started, we just want to say rest in peace to Mike Real of the Shadow Worlds Radio Network. The network that we've been streaming from from a couple of episodes ago. We just want to send our prayers and condolences to his family and all of his supporters. And we just want to just show how grateful we are for him giving us that opportunity. Yeah, man, we really, uh, really was sad when we heard the, the news. Uh, very unfortunate. Uh, but once again, you know, just really want to say, like you said, rest in peace. We really want to send our condolences to his family, to all the supporters that's out there from our encounters with him. I mean, he literally lived up to his name. He was a real guy, a real dude, a real stand-up guy. And so uh, we were thankful and appreciative of the time that we did have uh, to get to know him um, and all of that. But uh, once again, we just want to send our condolences, man. To you, it's just a game. For me, it's all I know. I make them remember my name before I have to go. Losing, I can't fathom. That's the champion's passion. Confidence never lacking. Drop the beat, let's attack them. They be checking for the content. You tired of that nonsense. No gimmicks, break limits. Quality is our promise. This is more than a show. This is a way of life. Cause the game as it grows takes us to higher heights. Check the stats before you check me. And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history. Robert Ramon and Carlos. The new big three, and if the pins ain't from them, don't bring them to me. Cause I go off like a rocket launcher. Man, I just ain't the beat, I'm a real monster. I can hear the crowd chanting MVP. That's my mantra. Here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers. Welcome to the Opinionated Benchwarmers Podcast, episode 50. We finally met the Big 5-0. Man, it feels great to be back doing what we're doing. We took a little brief absence, but we back in this thing for that big time, episode 50. What's up, Ramon? How you feeling, bro? Man, I'm feeling good, man. It feels good to be back. Like you said, we took some time off. I see you kind of fumbling with your pen right now just then. <laughs> we, so excited, bro. Right. So excited. We, we took some time off, man, but it feels good to be back. It also feels good for my boy to get the episode right on the first go right, Episode 50, that's how you man, know I'm in here. I'm in here. Bro. For you to just get it off top like I'm that. I'm in here, man. So, man, like I always say, I'm ready to roll, man. Ready to go uh, with this episode, man. But Yeah, shout out to Lowe's, man. Of course, we had technical difficulties on this big episode 50, but we know he's going to listen to the episode. He'll be back probably next week or so and you know we always hold it down for each other so we got your brother so we just gonna get it started like this man we just gonna get it started give me a second ramon i got something oh, up my you sleeve got something up your yeah sleeve. i got i gotta let him know bro i'm tired of being humble bro oh. i'm tired of being humble man oh i like it, i'm bro. tired of it bro i like it bro they gonna respect my mind up in here man <laughs> I, I got to establish something right quick, man. Let them know. Let them know. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, they going to respect. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. LSU, ranked number two in the country, came coming off a big, huge win in Mississippi State, which people marked as a trap game for us. Rightfully so, because that's been a tough matchup for us for the past couple of years. Mississippi State never lays down when we play them. Number two 
in the country. I mean, man, like you said, man, they they gotta respect it at this point. You know, we didn't had a lot of people that kind of talked and said, well, you know, we gotta see LSU do something, face somebody, a real opponent, all this good kind of stuff. You look at it, we the only team among really the contenders that you see out there with top ten wins out there. We have two top ten wins that are sitting out there. Have this upcoming matchup that we're gonna see with Armour coming as well, man. But the thing about it, to see this offense perform like it's performing, it's just it. It's like it's it's art. It's you looking at art in motion, man. That's the thing about it with this offense, and it's something that we haven't really seen, you know, as LSU fans that we've been hoping to to finally make it into the new age, the new era of football. And um, I feel like we done made it there, and then, then shot past a lot of teams who were already in that age of football, man, with this dynamic offense, you know. So, I'm, yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow broke the single touchdown season record, which was 28 in a regular season. We still have five more games in the regular season to go, and he's already broken a record with 29 touchdown passes. We got Justin Jefferson. We got uh, Jamar Chase, who have, is on pace to beat the touchdown receiving record with uh, how many touchdowns was it? Was it eight? It's not eight. No, it's not. But I know right now, I think um, Jamar has like nine. I think Justin, I think they both sitting at nine. Okay, so already. So they about to be both double digits. Yeah, both double digits. But we don't know the specific record. That's for I y'all think to Jarvis Google. had 10 at one point. Then yeah. I know that uh, Josh Reed back in, I think it was 01 or something, had a big year. Uh, yeah. like that as well when he wanted to belittle the cough, but I can't but, remember the exact number. But either way, it's a, it's, it's a big, big record that they're on pace to beat already. And again, we got five games left, which just speaks to Joe Brady and his his hand on this offense. You know, he, he was a coordinator. If you don't know, he was a coordinator with the Saints, and we brought him on in, in kind of like an advisory role. But I really think that he's he's really in line to become our office coordinator next year when the, the current – I forget his name. Steve Ismeager. Ismeager uh, heads out when his contract is up this year, but I mean, it just—it's just—it just stays to the culture, man. I never thought I would see today in my LSU fandom, uh, us as fellow alum alumnus from uh, alumni yeah. from LSU, that we would see our offense be the vocal point of what makes us great. And I think for the first time in in a long time, is that. Hey, look, we may have a shot at beating Bama. Like, I'm feeling really good about our chances, you know, and I'm feeling really good about what we can do. Yeah, no, I feel really good about it as well. Like you said, to me, this team is kind of built and conditioned uh, to really have that chance to beat Bama. Uh, What we've seen so many years past is that, you know, our defense will hang in there quarter after quarter, through the first half, through the third quarter, all that with Alabama. But our offense could never do the necessary things in order to beat a defense like Alabama. And in order to have a chance against a defense like Alabama, you have to spread them out. You have to truly test their DBs because they like to play their DBs on an island a lot of the times. Uh, they like to play a lot of men. They play some zone as well. But they put their DBs on the island pretty often, and I think that their DBs are susceptible to be beaten. And um, you got guys like Jamar Chase out there. You got Justin Jefferson. And the thing is, you'll have Terrace Marshall back as well. With that three-headed monster and you still being able to go to guys behind them like Derek Dillon or Stephon Sullivan or having Thaddeus Moss who can make plays as well, I believe that this offense is conditioned to be able to score points on Bama. And it seems like that game will be a shootout 
more so than a defensive slugfest that we're used to seeing. So that's going to be very interesting whenever that comes, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, people can know that we are objective. Not only are we giving LSU this relevancy because that's a top two team in this nation. Let's talk about Bama. We just saw them play a little bit last night. Uh, I, I caught pretty much the majority of the game. I thought Tennessee had their opportunity to take down Bama. But, of course, they got in their own way. They just don't have the quarterback play. They just don't have the talent that, you know, quite frankly, they don't even have a size to compete with Bama. But what we saw in that game, is, is which is a big headline, is Tua. Tua had an ankle injury, and they took him out. He did not return. And he went out in, like, the second quarter. Uh, I guess, you know, I don't – me as a – just analyzing it, I don't really see it as a big deal that he didn't come back because I wouldn't risk – my star quarterback in this game, in a game that you you saw, they didn't really even need him, right. uh, ultimately, because Tennessee just doesn't have the firepower to beat them. So, I mean, I think that Nick Saban did the right thing and, and just say, hey, look, you, you're done, you know, because they know that in a couple of weeks, that's the big, that's the big matchup, LSU yeah. and Bama in a couple of weeks. So, you, they need to make sure he's at full strength to, to you know, at full strength to, to play it. You yeah, know? yeah, no, I completely agree with it. Like you said, I didn't put too too much stock in and I know that they did say he did have a little procedure on it but I really envisioned it that of course they'll sit him out this upcoming week they play Arkansas so that's another game that they'll just kind of roll straight on through and then they get that bye week I think come LSU even Tua has said it that he'll be ready for that um, game and I think that they really just trying to make sure that everything shapes up for that because with you knowing that game is going to be a shootout, you got to be at full strength. And honestly, I really want to see both teams at full strength. Yeah. I don't want to be see a situation where either team is facing too much of a you know a situation injury wise. I wouldn't want to see you know Tua go down or be down. Uh, but it's it's an interesting situation because you know this ankle situation plagued him last year, mm-hmm. and they said that Tua even himself said that he didn't get fully healthy until May. After mm-hmm. the season, he said he wasn't told himself until May, and he had picked up. He said twenty to thirty pounds just from not being in shape, not being able to do much with it. So he was finally being himself one hundred percent again and feeling good. And then this happened, so it's kind of interesting to see. But well, I think that what's interesting to me with Bama in general is that their defense is not as really consistently strong as it has been in the past. Um, and I think that that was really kind of the blaring thing that stood out to me in their first game as like a, you know, it was their first game in in, in, that, in that primetime, nighttime slot to me. Yeah. But, I mean, what can you make of it? I was playing Tennessee, but, yeah, Tennessee was able to make some headway, and, and the quarterback was missing throws. You yeah. know, they had open receivers that weren't being hit. You know, um, I mean, Bama didn't really look as strong on defense. So, I mean, I think that it's going to be a gladiator matchup. But let, let's move on a little bit into the rankings. We saw uh, a big-time upset in Wisconsin, who's ranked number six, fell down to Illinois. I think that they're out now. I don't think they have any – I don't think they have any way. They do have Ohio State next week. Well, okay. This week coming. Okay, this is what I will say. This is what I will say about Wisconsin. Um, and I could I could be wrong with this, but I'm pretty sure they're on the opposite side of Ohio State. So they could potentially, I think, have a chance to see to Ohio play State them again. to see them okay. twice. If you now I don't envision this happening, trust me, I don't envision this happening, but as far as them having a path to the playoff, if you beat Ohio State twice and you're mm-hmm. sitting there with only one loss there, 
I think you can find your way in, but that's not going to happen. It, yeah, not Ohio State, State looks twice. very good. I mean, how, how disappointing is that for Wisconsin? I mean, I think that now that we're in week going into week eight of the, of the college football season, you kind of starting to see those uh, smoking mirrors. You know, yeah. those teams that that look like they great, but they're not really all that good as they thought as they as they thought they were. But you know. Wisconsin, I mean, they, they really disappointed, you know. Not, you know, to their defense, I mean, their running back, who, what, what's his name? Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, I mean, he didn't disappoint, but. No. Uh, of course, but uh, to lose by a field goal, that's, yeah. that's pretty. But he, it, you against think a no they name. got caught looking ahead? Because, I mean, you know, they got Ohio State. There was a trap. I, I do think that it was, they did find themselves in a trap game type situation. Yeah. They overlooked um, them. But. And, and then the thing about it, Illinois is. The thing you got to watch with them, that's a team that just doesn't give up in a sense. I know that can be cliche, but even the week prior to that, I want to say it was the week or two weeks before that, when they played Michigan, they were down 28 nothing to Michigan and came back and made it a 28-25 game. They still lost it by a field goal, but they scored 25 on answer points. So they're a team that even when they kind of get down, they can still rally and make a comeback, and that's essentially what they did with Wisconsin. But they actually closed the deal against Wisconsin that they didn't close against Michigan. Yeah, man. So bye-bye, Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, an interesting tidbit. It's kind of weird, but I mean, I guess, I, I guess that's what I'm – I guess that's what I'm here for. I actually met the, like, I actually met, I should I say the gender to, like, uh, as long as I don't say their name, I'm good. Yeah, I did. Well, I met, I met the, like, the, at, we was, I was at a football game, right? I was at the LSU Florida game, and I actually met, like, one of Wisconsin's, like, daughters, like, one his daughter goes to LSU, right? But he is like the the recruiter for Wisconsin, so I like got an opportunity to tell her how good a job that he's doing and yeah. like how I respect that they actually like develop their players. Like yeah, they yeah. never really get like the top five star athlete, but they always get the you know kind of three star, four star, and they actually develop so yeah. many good players. And you know, I think about Melvin Gordon. I think about uh, help me out here. You trying to think JJ about running, huh? No, yeah. just in general players okay, yeah, that they recruited. Yeah, yeah. JJ White. JJ uh, White. You know, just just yeah. great players. You know, you got James White that came out of there. Yeah. So I thought I thought that that was really funny. Just an interesting tidbit, kind of trying to add on to like the yeah. the stuff. Like, how, what are the eyes that yeah. you know? You never know who you you know know. But anyway, that was that was pretty cool. But anyway, um, so moving around with the rankings, uh. Ohio State finally jumped Clemson in the rankings. Yeah. Uh I, I don't have any issue with it. I mean, with our rankings too, we we had yeah. we had Clemson, but to see AP agree with us, I mean, hey, put us on the staff. Bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know, I don't have any problem because Ohio State looks like one of those teams that the most balanced team in the league. And I know people what you're, people are gonna say. Uh, look, they're not playing anybody. But look, man, when you evaluate how they look on on both sides of the ball, how can you not just, you know, say, look, hey, look, the way that they look and the way that they're winning the games and the way that Clemson is is showing hiccups and yeah, you know, um, I don't know your boy uh, Trevor Lawrence must be going through a little sophomore it's slump. Not, yeah, it's so. You know, it, you know, Clemson hasn't been looking too hot, man. They they barely escaped. North Carolina, and then now they they had a couple hiccups. They started off, got out the gate slow this past week. Who they played this past week? Uh, ooh, ooh, I just forgot. Oh, uh-huh. you said it, Clemson. Clemson, Clemson. Who they play? Who let they me, play? Let me, let me find it. Let me find it. Let me find it. 
Louisville. Louisville. Yeah, Louisville. So, it, it, you know, I mean, they, they, they got out the gate kind of slow there. So, I mean, I, I don't have any problem with Ohio State. I think that they actually got the, the three best teams in the league. And to take my biases aside, based on LSU, they have beaten two top ten teams this year. They should be the number one team in the nation because Bama has not played a soul. Yeah, and I think what you will see, honestly, uh, in about a week or two, I want to say, they normally do it kind of the first weekend of November is where they actually unveil the college football playoff rankings, where the college football playoff committee actually votes. Mm-hmm. And they take that type of stuff into account. I honestly believe that when those first rankings are unveiled, this is also taken into account and in saying that LSU will be Auburn. I believe LSU will be Auburn. So you take that into mm-hmm. account. I believe the college football playoff committee will vote LSU as the number one team. I honestly believe going into that LSU-Alabama matchup, that LSU will be the number one team in the nation. And then you look at it too, man. LSU is facing their their uh, they're facing their third top ten team this weekend in Auburn. You know, if they win this game, well, when they win this game as a fan, <laughs> when like they win this man. game, bro, like, why wouldn't they be number one in the nation? Like, you no longer can yeah. justify not putting them. Bama has this cupcake. Now, they can't control what division they're in. I'll give you that. But at the same time, I mean, they don't have as many big games as LSU has. Yeah, well, the thing about it, they haven't scheduled as many uh, big ones outside of conference. You see LSU yeah, we scheduled Texas. Play, playing Texas, um, having that on the schedule. And I know that stuff gets scheduled years yeah, uh, they but, do. They but do. Still, but but Texas, Texas, I mean, there. scheduling Texas. If I schedule, even if I schedule ten years from now, Texas, yeah. I can pretty much bank that Texas is going to be good yeah. because they consistently have a great program year in yeah. and year out. Consistently, and, right. they've and had it, their right. they yeah, back yes, on the ankle. Yes, yeah, you right. know what I mean. And then, and and uh, the thing about it too is what LSU always has to face as well is the fact that. Florida is their SEC East team that they play. Their permanent SEC East team, whereas Alabama has Tennessee as their permanent SEC East team that they play every year. So if you look at the comparison of the Tennessee program to the Florida program, it's really no legit comparison there. Um, but even as you would mention with Ohio State and saying they haven't played anyone, I mean they did play one top twenty-five team in. Uh, Cincinnati. I mean, I know it's not <laughs> Oh, great, my God. But everybody. Cincinnati is the 18th ranked I, team in the nation, I, and they, they I get showed it. them scores. I, I get, I get it. We, to nothing. I get it. We, we are, we're a podcast. We have to give. We have to play devil's advocate. But come on, Cincinnati. Yeah, I understand. Sorry, that, Cincinnati fans. When you I see what you're saying. A I see what you're saying. Top 25 team, 42 to nothing. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You know, that's, that's kind of, you know. And then you look at anybody else's schedule, who other than LSU among those contenders has really played anyone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get what you're saying. So, I mean, let's let's. Uh, I think we covered everything. I just want to talk about Jalen Hurts and how amazing he's been yes. playing. But I want to go to Oklahoma. They haven't they haven't really had a test themselves. And the- Texas, they did play Texas. We can't forget that. We count Texas as one of our top okay, 10 okay, wins. Okay, okay. We can't count it on this end and not count it for okay, Oklahoma. Okay, I, I and get they you. And their defense had nine sacks in that game. I got I got yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma, I mean, they had their first real test this past weekend with, with we will say, Texas. It was a pretty close game. Um, I think that Oklahoma, for the rest of the year, I mean, they don't really have – I'm looking at their schedule. They don't really have that top 10. And I think – the reason why I brought up Oklahoma is what's interesting is because they're we're shifting into a, a phase where Heisman is becoming more relevant. And 
a lot of people like Jalen Hurts is putting up the numbers. We know that. But at the same time, I mean, he hasn't been put on the stage that yeah. that that he will. And, you know, pretty much, I mean, right now, I think that it's a race between Tua and Joe Burrow. Yeah. So I wanted to get into, like, how the Heisman race and, and how you see it, you know. Yeah. And I don't want to discount the guys because, you know, like you said, Jonathan Taylor's in that race. Uh, Jalen Hurts. Been playing well. <clears throat> Justin Fields has been playing well. Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts. But the yeah. thing that's going to hurt Justin Fields again, Justin Fields again, like um, Joe Burrow and like Tool, I mean, Heisman is about that moment. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, that it's built on what is your Heisman yeah. moment? Yeah. Now, this this game in November, man, the, yeah. the but I, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's just talk about the, the, the Heisman, you know, field. Right yeah, there. I think the way the Heisman field sits right now is that to me, it's really a, a three-player race at this point. I think you're looking at your guys in Joe Burrow, in Tua, and also in Jalen Hurts. Um, I think at this point, if the season ended right now, Joe Burrow will win the Heisman. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's taking any bias yeah. out of it. He's, I he's, just, he's had three top ten. I mean, he's led. Not th- I'm counting all right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> but anyway, we've had, he's had two top ten games that he's yeah. performed really, really well in. And, and, no, 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 no. Keep going, keep going, keep going. So... When I look at Justin Fields, the way I can eliminate him is because, okay, he does have the game in Wisconsin. We have to see how he does then. Uh, has, we have to see how he does this weekend in, in, uh, when he plays Wisconsin. But the way I, the reason why I take away him because Joe Burrow still in tour, well, even in tour up until this point doesn't. Now, the stage is pretty much ready-made for Tua and Joe Burrow, and I'll tell you why, and I think yeah. you'll agree with me here. Is that that is a number one potential, number one, number two matchup of gladiator teams. And it is a huge game with strong implications because I don't think that two SEC teams are going to make the playoffs this year. So I think that this game has strong implications of the future of those teams. So if Joe Burrow or IE Tua as well perform really, really well, I think that that will be their Heisman moment that they'll need on their resume to take that. To take the to take the crown. Now, who's to say? Like if they play mediocre or play lukewarm, I still think that Joe Burrow it would knock Joe. I think that a loss here would knock Tua. A loss for Tua would knock it knock him more than Joe. I agree because Joe already has built this resume yeah. of, of of what he how he's performed. Now if Tua lose, he hasn't played anybody but LSU and he failed. Yeah. So. You know, I think that this game here has the strong implications of, of the Heisman yeah, race. I, I've been saying for a while, I really felt that November 9th would be the, the day or November night 9th, man. that will settle the Heisman race. I think that, honestly, the team and the quarterback who plays better that day, who comes out on top, I believe will uh, win the Heisman. I believe that the case will be stronger for Joe if he goes in there. Gets a win right there. I think that that pretty much oh, that seals that the seals. deal. I think you're going that seals to it. you're going to Tuscaloosa yeah. and knock off a giant. Yeah, I mean, I think. And well, I think about yeah. it. That's crazy about Joe. Joe is is guy. He's probably had that day circled on his calendar oh, yeah. oh, since yeah. the beginning of the season. Oh, yeah. Like he knows what's at stake. And he embraces that. Yeah. You know, he embraces competition. So you got to know that he's excited. Oh, but I just I hope he's not looking past Auburn. I hope that he's not either, which I don't, he's not the type of guy to do that. I don't really envision him as the type of guy to do that. Um, but it is going to be interesting because, I mean, we know that Jalen is going to continue to put up these video game type numbers. So if he does 
get another shot and have another chance to beat, mm-hmm. you know, Texas, which will most likely come potentially again at the end of the year. Uh, he has that opportunity. I think they also, too, have uh, Baylor on their schedule as well. And Baylor is another team. I think I want to say right now at the top of my head, I believe that Baylor is undefeated at this point. Um, so I really think that Jalen still has some opportunities in which he could, you know, continue to solidify himself, continue to add numbers and stack it on because he's getting numbers not only just with his arm, but he's also getting numbers with his legs at this point. Um, and we're seeing his numbers honestly have the potential to outpace both Baker Mayfield's numbers and also even what Kyler does. It looks like he could be on case to outpace both of those um, in which those were your last two Heisman winners. So once again, if Joe does go into Tuscaloosa and gets the win and he plays well in that game, he will win the Heisman. But I still think at this point it's still a, a three-guy race yeah. uh, between Jalen Hurts, Tua, and Joe at this point. So I'm about to go on my tangent on my un- unusual, much-about-nothing tangent, but it goes right along the lines of – what we're talking about. Here we have one of the primetime matchups, potential number one, number two matchup. And it won't be a night game, potentially. If Unless something changes, it might not be a night game, bro. And my issue with it is that I get it. Like, okay, look, it hasn't been the most competitive game for the past three or four years, one will argue. But at the same time, I mean, what are these, like, we evaluate the game just like everyone else around us. And, Eric, you mean to tell me there's nobody at CBS that say, look, we shouldn't scratch this game. You know, and it seems to me, I could be wrong and I could be corrected. I don't know. I'm just speaking on on how I feel like everybody else in America feels. That's one of the good, greatest games that probably potentially could be the game of the year. And that's unbiased. And CBS really just dropped the ball on that team. Yeah, it was. What's, what's going on here is really CBS is caught in a bad spot because CBS really only has one night primetime game per year. They can only have one night primetime game. And so coming into this year, of course, obviously, it's been a long time since LSU has beaten Bama. That matchup has lost some of its luster. So even coming into this season, that matchup wasn't viewed as the same. So they made their determination since early in the year. We got this Georgia and Notre Dame matchup. That's going to be a guaranteed top 10 matchup. The last time they played, that game came down to the last drive. That's really when Fromm made a name for himself. It was a one-point game. You got the big fan base behind Notre Dame. You got the SEC team in Georgia. They decided, hey, you know what? Since we have to make our decision on one game, we're going to make it on this game. And so it's causing them to be in a difficult spot. Now, could they potentially have some type of deal that's worked out between them and ESPN or something to potentially carry it on ESPN at a night primetime spot? Maybe. But I think that CBS still isn't going to want to give away those ratings, which is why they still want to hold on to the game. And by them holding on to it, they have to play it at that 2.30, 3.30 time slot instead of being able to have a chance for the 7 p.m. I think that that was just a bad decision. I, I don't think I would have gave that up. I mean, just looking at, you know, LSU, they, they they implement a new system. You know, things were supposed to look a little different. You know, mm-hmm. implications of Joe Burrow, if you hadn't been following him prior to this year, I know that if you are from Baton Rouge, you probably haven't. But we 
was expecting big things out of Joe all off season, all spring. It's no way that I would just give up on 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 that matchup like that. That's been a, a primary matchup for years. Why change it? You know, and you know that's the thing. Like they they overhyping in it. What you get a Georgia a, a Georgia Notre Dame game? Yeah. Notre Dame is 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 irrelevant when we're talking about as it, when it comes to rankings. No. I want to say, I, am I, I wrong in it in saying it? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, they still are a top ten team even at this point. But I mean, I agree with what you're saying. I mean, you got a potential. You potentially giving up the the game that's going to have the top two teams in the nation. Mm-hmm. That's going to have the two leading Heisman. Voting getters, bro. Gonna, do you know how big this game? Like you, game you saw, is, it's, the, it's the, the biggest game of the, of the season. The LSU Florida the game yeah. broke broke records. Yeah, this is the biggest regular season game, and it's not even close. I think it's, it's not even close. I think CBS really dropped the ball oh, on they it. Know and, they did. and CBS, just in general, if you've been looking at the course of everything, like we want to see prime time matchups. You can't guess wrong on these things. Like yeah. I don't wanna you know, like ESPN is itching at that contract. They they know what they have on their hands. And it seems like to me I could be wrong. I'm not really well versed in it, but I'm just gonna take a shot in the door. Maybe you know more than me of how how this works. But you know, it seems to me ESPN ends up with the pick of the litter. Like that's why you get a Alabama, Tennessee. You know you wanna see Alabama um primetime. I have no problem with it. They've been a they've been a, a, a staple this past decade. But you know, they end up with the Alabama-Tennessee game. I'm thinking because CBS has rights to the better SEC. They have first dibs on the SEC yeah, games, right? Okay, yeah. so I'm, I don't sound like an idiot. No. So that's why ESPN, you know, gets the pick of the little games. But I, I, I don't think ESPN would have made this mistake. No, uh, I don't think, I don't, I don't think they would have made this. Like, why are we overthinking this? And even the thing is with me, even if LSU and, and Alabama has lost is 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 glamour, glim, glitter or whatever or the matchup, people still gonna watch it. Like I, yeah. I guarantee you people are still gonna watch it. So yeah. you know, to take a chance on a Notre Dame, Georgia game over this and Georgia, you know, that's looking worse that's aging worse by the game, being that they got upset last week. So I don't know, man. I'm not with it, man. I think that they need to let ESPN take these types of duties. I, I wish that ESPN would be able to grab it, but I have two thoughts about it, man. Um, Yo, give I have, me your thoughts. I have, I have <laughs> okay, so I have a thought as just a college football fan that obviously you want that game prime time at night. You want it, blah blah blah. Yeah. But as an LSU fan, I don't really care about going into that environment. At nighttime, like let's yeah, go into that true, environment every day. Yeah. Let's go before yeah. it gets. But we have a podcast yeah, from us, right. so we gotta right. we gotta speak so, to the fans. So that's why I said I have two views of it. I have a view as a college football fan, of which that's just ridiculous that this game will not be in a seven p.m. primetime night. Yeah. Oh, eight o'clock, like oh, last night. O'clock. That was perfect. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But as an LSU fan, I can't say that I'm mad at it. Honestly, yeah, CBS man, CBS. No disrespect to you guys if y'all. Listen, yeah, that's right like, man, we really were about to pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no disrespect. Right. <laughs> hey, y'all really, y'all really did that Florida LSU game, right? Hey, y'all really did that, but anyway, you're not helping, right. all right? Um, yeah, so I mean, I think that's that's good with the college. We got some big matchups, 
my favorite matchup of next week, uh, outside of LSU and Auburn, that's a big matchup, top 10 matchup, number two uh, versus a number nine. Then you got Ohio State playing Wisconsin, yeah. which is – that's a that's a terrible game too because it's it's at eleven a.m. I mean, I, okay, I'll catch it like halftime when I wake up or something. Yeah, but yeah, so but that matchup is kind of kind of like it, it, it it's lost its glimmer so to speak yeah. because you know Wisconsin they probably projected. I'm looking at AP. AP is not the official, but you know they projected to be thirteen tomorrow. So you know that's on AP, but you know we'll see. Penn State still moving along, bro. Yeah. Yeah, Penn State, they still trucking along. I mean, we did. We talked about that on last yeah, episode that didn't get yeah. released. And we'll, right, <laughs> right, I forgot that didn't get released. Oh, man, we had a whole episode in the tuck that just. Maybe maybe, maybe we'll let it go on a special yeah, day, bro. Yeah, under, undiscovered. But, um, but, yeah, no, Penn State, everything, we still will totally find out about them when we when they face Ohio State. That's what it's going to come Ooh, down for yeah, them. They... Um, but, I mean, they're a good team. I can't knock them. They're a good team. Uh, they've had two pretty solid wins back-to-back. Um, they held on, of course, to the Michigan game. It looked like Michigan was going to, you know, have a chance of, of – um, it looked like Michigan was going to have a chance of coming back and getting it done. But uh, – you know, uh, Penn State continued to just pull it out and, and got the dub there. I think that they are a talented offensive team. I really like what they have on that side of the ball. I can't say I'm an expert on what they have defensively, honestly, because I was in between watching some of that game and then I was paying attention to the Bama game as well. So I can't honestly say 100% I, you know, just sat back and scouted what their defense looks like. Um, but I think that Penn State is, is solid. I would say... Right now, they're definitively the second best team in the Big Ten, and you know they always make the Ohio State game interesting. Uh, they typically challenge Ohio State better to me than any other team in the Big Ten, and that's counting Michigan and that's counting Wisconsin. I feel like Penn State is normally kind of the biggest challenge for Ohio State in the Big Ten, so I think if there is a chance for Ohio State to come up uh, potentially with an L, it it would be potentially with Penn State, but. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. Yeah, so, um, yeah, man. So that that's a I think that's a wrap on that college football, man. We could touch on the NFL, but I know we the listeners wants to get to NBA talk because the NBA season yeah, kicked, kicked off on Tuesday. Off. Uh, I did want to kind of touch on Denver. Uh, kind of interesting to me uh, about th- where they stand at, man. Right now, they they I don't know what the, they they really are uh have been very disappointing as far as performance wise. They hadn't really lived up to what they have, are supposed to be, and and here we are. We on our third. Um, we on our third. They're on their third coach, and yeah, yeah, yeah they're on their third coach. They're on their third quarterback. Right. You know, it just seems like it ain't. It, it just seems like it's not. You know, really panning out for them, bro. Yeah. No. Yeah, so like you said, I mean, them being on what they, they third quarterback, they third coach, uh, we saw what Flacco did. Yeah. Uh, that obviously was not impressive in any sense. In any um, sense, man. And so it brings the, the question, uh, what, who put the statement out about them maybe needing to go with Peyton Manning as they uh, – Yeah, I saw they, that. Yeah. I saw that. I mean, I don't think a great quarterback <laughs> necessarily equates to a great GM. I mean – Let's look at John Elway, and I'm going I'm to start off by saying this. I'm going to start off by 
critiquing him as a quarterback and critiquing him as a GM. I don't know. And then you tell me if a great quarterback equates to a great GM. Okay, you got John Elway. We he left it out on the field. He he won two Super Bowls, led his team to five. He threw four so three hundred touchdowns, over fifty thousand yards passing. So and he's a Hall of Famer from 04. So I'm not taking anything away from John Elway as a quarterback. Now as a GM on the other end, the only thing that I maybe say that he's done. It realistically is brought in Peyton Manning in, in 2012. Since then, what has he done? Okay, in that span that he, you know, with 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 uh, Peyton Manning, he brought him. They went to two Super Bowls. They got obliterated by the Seahawks that year, and then they came back and obliterated in 2015 and won a Super Bowl. So he got one Super Bowl to show for it. But other than that, he got Trevor Simeon, he got Case Keenum, he got Brock Osweiler. What the hell is he thinking there? Then he got Joe Flacco, John Fox. He got then he went to Coop, Gary Kubiak, and then Vance Joseph. Last year only got one season, and now you hire Vic Fangio, who is I think he's the oldest coach to debut as a head coach. So he's been around for a while, but this is the first time they've allowed him to become a head coach. So John Elway. I mean, besides that one Super Bowl he's able to hide behind, I think now that we're they've moved past the Peyton Manning era, you've been able to kind of see what he is as a GM. So does, I'm going to ask you again, does a great GM, a great quarterback, all-time great quarterback equate to a great GM? Oh, no, I mean, that's you can't you know say that those are ever hand-in-hand. Hand. Uh, but what I will say is I still think that we can't gloss over and get lost in the fact of as you mentioned, the two Super Bowls and, and the one Super Bowl win. Um, I know you attributed a lot to Peyton Manning and essentially Peyton Manning come over, but still that defense had to be built out. Even what he brought also collectively around Peyton Manning with those offensive weapons at that time. Of course, we know that Peyton Manning's record-breaking season, obviously that's the year that they lost the Super Bowl, but they still had to have the weapons be there. So he still had to make the right moves as the general manager. And we see peaks and valleys from lots of organizations. So um, to just judge him kind of off of this valley right now and to me gloss over the peak a little bit is a somewhat short-sighted. Um, I would say that he hasn't obviously done his best work within the recent years. Uh, but you had a lot of his guys that were really kind of prime time during that time that are, that are older now within the league. Uh, you really more so, when you think about those contending teams, think about really Von Miller as the remaining piece from there. You have Emmanuel Sanders that is sure was around for a little bit of time. But, you know, I, I can't 100% say that, you know, it's not a success for him. They obviously aren't doing well at this moment. But I'm not 100% ready to just write John Elway off and just say that he doesn't have it. Um, I still think that there's an opportunity for him to rebound and for him to have another peak as that guy. So, Yeah, so what do you think? Is it time for John Elway to go? I, I'm not, not yet. Not yet. I think the, the situation with John Elway is a little bit more complicated because you're not just talking about John Elway as a guy that's running things right now with the organization, but you're talking about like a lifetime... Bronco, you're talking about a lifetime Bronco, a guy that, uh, as you mentioned, his historic career that makes the franchise 
not 100% be indebted, indebted to him, but just a little bit more than a regular sense. So I would say not quite yet, but if he doesn't get it in about a season or two, then I would say you could potentially move on. I think it's time for him to go, and I'm going to tell you why. The main of a friend, the main cornerstone of a franchise is the quarterback. I mean, you could say defense. They've had a great defense, you know, to, from Tlaib. They had Corey Joseph. Uh, they had Von Miller. You know, they picked him number two uh, in that draft. And uh, Super Bowl MVP as a, de- as a as a defender. I mean, it's it's unspoken of. They have had a great – but the cornerstone of a franchise is a, is a quarterback, and you have to be able to find a coach. And I think what his issue is is that, okay, you know – they got your boy from from Memphis who didn't who ended up not working out. I forgot his name. You talking about Paxton Lynch? Paxton Lynch. Didn't he did he draft Paxton Lynch? He drafted Paxton. It didn't work Lynch. out. Brock Osweiler. You believed yeah. in him. That didn't work out. Even if you go back Make before, sure when you say you, John Elway believed in him, not me, as Ramona. I'm just saying. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that. But that's my point. Yeah. yeah, John Elway. You you're an all time great quarterback, but it seems that you cannot find a, a great quarterback. Then, then let's not let him get past this one too. He had a come on, Case Keenum. Case something? Keenum, that's bad. From Vanderbilt, do you tag that on him? Uh, he he had he spent most of his career in Chicago, and it was him and Brandon Marshall. I can't think of his name. Oh, right. uh, you talking about Jay Cutler? Jay Cutler, you know, terrible media, well, mediocre quarterback. Yeah, Jay you know, had his moment. I mean, I think it's time for him to go. Apparently, he can't really find it in then with the coach. Vance Joseph, you, you pick him up, and then you let him go out the year. Rightfully so. They was doing terrible under his tenure. But, you know, come on, man. Like, you have to have a great quarterback, and you have to have a coach. He's proven that he hasn't been able to find that outside of Peyton Manning, which was a ready-made quarterback. Yeah, yeah. And Peyton Manning chose to go there. Yeah. So, I mean, come on, man. And, I mean, as far as a coach coaching that, I mean – it was like the Warriors. I mean, what kind of coach do you really need when you got the all-time, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time? I know you can speak on oh, that. Oh, definitely. And, you know, a, a great defense. I mean, it's not, you know, yeah. it's not, you don't need that great of a coach I mean, on that. I, so. I feel what you're saying. I just think that it's a slightly different situation for that organization with John Elway just because of the total relationship. Man, what's up with you and John Elway? Just because nah, he got I, your boy uh, nah, Super Bowl, two nah, Super Bowl nah, rings? No, no, no. I'm just saying, I'm looking no, at one from, Super Bowl I'm ring. looking at it from their perspective as an organization and that's just kind of like, let's just say for example, you know, if, if Kobe, you know, was in that position he not doing the greatest thing, we, we probably as Lakers fans would, would want to move on, but Still, you would give Kobe a little bit more leeway than you doing. Just gonna give kind of a a, a random guy out there that just become like when you were part of that mm. franchise and you've done something even as a player for that franchise. I think that's his his kind of saving grace, the thing that's causing him to hold on at that point. But like I said, in about a year or two, then I'll be ready to have that conversation. All right, man. I think it's. I mean, I think I think it's time for him to go, man. He looks he looks befuddled. But anyway, well, so Tuesday, Taco Tuesday, Taco Tuesday. <laughs> we got the start of the NBA season, man. Oh my goodness, I can't wait, man. We finally got our sport back, if you will. We first start off with a trash matchup because Zion won't be playing with the Pelicans and Toronto. And then you got the Lakers and the Clippers so battle. You're not, of, you're not watching the former Lakers, right? 
I probably will. I, got, I still got a soft spot in my heart for B.I. Hey, and Lonzo and, and Josh Hart. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, he did he take some time. Down, so I, I ain't really worried about him anymore. So, man, what you expecting to see in this debut, man? It's the start of the NBA season, bro. Man, bro, I am excited, bro, because for me, this going into this NBA season, things are essentially kind of wide open. Like, there's so many potential contenders out there um, that's kind of different from years past. You know, the last couple of years, we've come into the season and been like, okay, the Warriors are the favorites, or we kind of have these co-favorites between the Warriors and potentially throwing the Cavs out there. But right now, you got so many different teams, especially so many teams in the Western Conference that have a legit chance that makes this season so exciting. And then when you think about even the dynamic duos that we got across this league, um, it's just going to make it very entertaining as well. So I think we're in store for one of the most exciting and competitive NBA seasons that we've seen, you know, in a long time, honestly. Yeah, man. I think that this is... You know, to start our NBA conversation for all you NBA fans out there, this is like Ramon said, this is the the point of the of the year where we finally, as the fans, have grabbed the NBA back. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard acted as if he was Thanos and restored order over the league. We are finally back, baby. We yeah. like back in the 90s where it was just like two cats. It was two cats on each team yeah. that you had. It was like it was like NBA Jam. You had your two yeah, stars yeah. and just really good. We, we He's restored order. Golden State is no longer that super team that, that, it, that it once was. Well, it kind of because they still got. Nah, they're not. The they're not. Okay, so you got Clay and you got Steph. On the Clippers, you got Kawhi, you got you got oh, Paul yeah. George. On the Lakers, you got Kobe, you got AD. You got Kobe. I mean, not Kobe. Oh. LeBron and Wait, AD. Hold up, bro. I really go tune Come on. You right. You right. You right. LeBron and AD, <laughs> and then so on and so forth. On, on Phoenix, you got uh, Devin Booker. <laughs> It's kind of drilling it down. <laughs> but DeAndre Ayton had a good rookie yeah. year, man. They just not on prime time for you to see. But he yeah, averaged yeah, almost yeah. a double double last year. Ricky Rubio high No, that would have been worse. <laughs> but you know, in Brooklyn, you got KD and, and Kyrie. But I'm, so on and so forth. We finally got competition back in the league, in which I am excited to see. Um, I'm excited for this season, bro. Like you see, I wish we was on YouTube so you could just see how excited yeah, I am right crazy, now. But it's we, it, the NBA's back, and then for once, our team is finally relevant. But let's talk about this debut night, man. Are you excited about it? What are you expecting to see from Toronto and the Pelicans, uh, based on what you've seen in the preseason? And then we'll move on to the Lakers and the Clippers, which is the the nightcap, which I'll probably end up falling asleep on because I got to work the next day. Yeah, uh, <laughs> as far as it relates to to Toronto and um and the Pelicans, like you said, a, a luster of the matchup has been taken away without Zion playing. Uh, what I was really looking forward to is seeing that Pelicans team get up and down the floor. They've been playing at a pretty quick pace um, throughout the preseason, which suits their players. One of the things that we say about Lonzo all the time is how he gets the team yeah. up and down the floor and how he'll start the break. He'll make the pass that leads to the assist. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so I was kind of looking forward to that, but i still looking forward to people actually – being able to appreciate now what Lonzo Ball does. Yeah. Because when he was a Laker, they couldn't appreciate it because they just wanted to hate on him and say he didn't live yeah. up to the hype and all this. But now what are you seeing? Oh, yeah. man, Lonzo this. Yeah. Oh, Lonzo will get the break started. Yeah. Oh, Lonzo can lock down. So I'm looking to see 
even some of those young guys become uh, appreciated for what they can actually do. And then on the Toronto side of things, seeing him now, since he didn't got the money, can yeah. Siakam step into that star that's role? A, you walked right into an interesting conversation because I wanted to discuss that about Siakam. Uh, that contract that he got, which is like 30-plus mil a year, says to me, I mean, we know that Kawhi, he's never, he'll never be a Kawhi because Kawhi is just sensational and it's just special. There's not many Kawhis out there. It's not any that many Kawhis that we've seen, period. In history, yeah. You know, so not to say that, but I think that that money is saying to the to their fans that we we're expecting Siakam to to come in and, and and finally step into the to the shoes of being a star. We're expecting a little more of him than playing his role, and we've seen him. They've groomed him really really well because he he hasn't had the pressure of it, but he still dropped 20, 20 yeah. a game. But he hasn't had the expectations of the pressure. But I think he's finally ready now. I mean. You know, he's had the luxury of being like, you know, 20 point scoring. Like, oh, Siakam, like, that's surprising. Yeah. That's a nice little 20 point. But now, I think they're expecting him to at least put up 25 a game now. Well, or being like a cornerstone yeah. of the league. What, what, what I'm trying to see and what remains to me also to be seen from Siakam is how does he handle it being the focal point now of a defense? How does he handle now? Coaches coming into that game, game planning for Siakam. How does he handle now going into the game and seeing the primary defender, the best defender on another team, and not being that second option or being that third option? So that's the thing that I kind of want to see from Siakam. And honestly, I really think that it's going to be a bumpy road for Siakam. I think it's going to be one of those things where obviously you see peaks and valleys. You're going to see nights, of course, that Siakam, and I know I'm not saying anything super profound here, but you're going to see nights from Siakam that he gives you those that those games that you're like, okay, he's living up to the bill and he earned this money. And then I think you're going to see some nights where honestly he disappears a little bit. And I think it's going to be a, a pressure that he hasn't seen um, at this point in his career. Yeah. And then he's so young even as far as like yeah. playing basketball. He, his age isn't as young as... I would say his his basketball years, you know, he's I want to say about 25 or so like that. So he has some years on him age wise. But as far as him playing basketball, he hasn't been playing for that long. He discovered the game later, you know, in his life. So um, but I, I think more so even if, even if what you're saying is true and I, I agree with what you're saying a lot. I don't think you're out basing what you're saying, but I think with the contract that they've given him there, they are expecting him to be. You know, he they're expecting big things, oh, yeah, big things out of him. So I think they are expecting him. Just like I was naming the tandems earlier, they're expecting it to be Kyle Lowry and Siakam. Now those are some big, huge, huge shoes to yeah. fill. But I mean, I think that that's what they they were expecting. And I think I they should. You. When you pay a man that much money, that's what he deserves. But you know, I think it does speak to Toronto and in and how they're able to develop players. Because that was another one of their draft picks that they that they obtained yeah. and. And uh, we're able to groom into something nicely. But let's move on to the nightcap. We got the Lakers and the Clippers. Obviously, we got AD and LeBron. They looked excellent in the preseason. And then we got Kawhi in the PG-less yeah. Clippers because he they already said he's going to be out for the first month of the season. So, you know, um, I mean, what are you expecting to see out of that? I, I'm expecting uh, to see a fiery matchup. I, I definitely am expecting to see a fiery matchup. Um I 
I'm expecting to see a game in which the Clippers are going to get dominated on the inside. They really don't have a true inside presence. Um, so I think that they're going to be tr in trouble on that front. But I think you're going to have a guy like a Patrick Beverly that always kind of has a chip on his shoulder that's going to be pretty fiery. Um, I think it's going to be a decent game for a while. I think eventually the Lakers will end up separating from that game because I think the Clippers will end up being overwhelmed without Paul George being there. Like, I think they're really going to truly bank a lot on that tandem. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think that it's the most favorable matchup for the Clippers because um, in a matchup like that, their whole thing is having three elite wing defenders. That's what makes the, it's going to make the Clippers elite is the three elite wing defenders. Well, you only having two of those and having to throw somebody like Zubak and throwing, you know, Montrez Harrell or throwing Jermichael Green at uh, Anthony Davis, that's that's a, a nightmare for them. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that the, that the Lakers have a chip on their shoulder from the standpoint of first LeBron has a chip on his shoulder. People are trying to say he's no longer the best in the game. They're looking at Kawhi. They were looking at KD, you know, before KD went down. Um also, too, I think AD kind of has something in his mind to prove as well of him being on this stage now, kind of being where he wanted to be and showing the league that, you know, I'm going to back it up and show you, you know, that I, he AD believes he's the best player in the league. And mm -hmm. I believe that just the Lakers in, the general, in general have that kind of... So you're going to see a matchup of, to me, the Clippers having a little bit of an edge on that perimeter, but the Lakers, to me, have a sizable edge on the inside. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't. I don't. And I think it's around the hype, and then with the with the with the peach that you know Beverly is there. You know he's a fiery guy. And you know he's gonna. Yes. You know even when we weren't really as good as we are now, and you know even when he was getting into it with Lonzo on the on the NBA debut um sector, you know, you know he he's a guy that typically is gonna add um kind of like a, a, a edge to a game that's not normally there. So I'm expecting to see that. And I, I think LeBron's going to come out and he's going to really establish himself. I think that LeBron is going to try to – I think LeBron is going to hit the gates rolling. That's my NBA MVP. I know we're going to discuss projections later on, but that's my MVP. And I think what better night to, to really kind of, you know, set the tone. And I think that's what he's going to try to do, set the tone and establish himself. And like, look, I'm still the best in the world. So I, I, that's what I'm expecting. Anything short of that, I'll be disappointed. But ultimately, I want my Lakers to get to a win. I evaluate the NBA in 10-game intervals. So I would like us to, in this 10-game interval, I would like for us to get to a good start, at least go 8-2 and two with the first 10 games and then carry that momentum over. So, you know, those are our first two matchups. But let's just talk about the scope of the league, right, real quickly. Um, with our NBA projections, we do this every year. So this is the one to go. And I guess we'll just go like a roundabout type style. Uh, we'll start off with the East, and these these are final. These are pretty much gonna be our like who we expect to make the playoffs yeah. out of the East. So I guess I'll go first. Um, what how you wanna go one through eight? Uh, just go one by one. Uh, we can go. We can go one through eight, maybe. Okay. And, 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 We'll, we'll have something for the listeners. We'll display this to the listeners as well. So we'll have something that also okay. drop on IG for them to. Okay. Oh, underscore bench warmers. Make sure you're following us. Okay. So I'll start off with the East. These are my top. These are my eight teams that I feel like are going to make the playoffs and the seeding goes as follow. At the number one seed, I got the Bucks returning at number one. I don't see why they didn't really lose anybody. They finally paid their boy who makes all the threes for them. 
Uh, you talking about Middleton? Middleton. So, not, am I? Yeah, I am. Yeah, so they paid him. So I'm expecting him to really kind of, you know, really take on a new role. Uh, 76ers have, I mean, they've improved. I mean, if Ben Simmons, I know we've seen the clips or whatever uh, of him making threes. If he's really going to translate it into his game, I really don't feel like, I really feel uncomfortable having him at two, really. But, you know, I'll leave him there. Uh, I think that, you know, this thing that they have with, uh, God, well, I can't remember names today, man. Uh, their addition. You talking about Josh Richardson? No. You talking about Al Hofford? Yeah, Al Hofford. <laughs> I think they're gonna figure that out. How they can? How can Al Hofford and uh, <laughs> MB <laughs> MB coexist? And you know, I think they'll figure it out. So I like them a lot. I got the Pacers at the number three seed. I feel like uh, eventually they're gonna get um, Old <laughs> Depot. Old back. <laughs> Bro, I can't remember names right now. But anyway, they're gonna get Ola Depot back. And I think they, they could make a run at that three C. They were they were good without him, so with him, they they're gonna be even yeah. better. Then I got Boston. I don't think Boston gonna fall off the wagon because they lost Kyrie. They got um <laughs> they got uh Gordon Hayward, Cantor. Gordon Hayward, they got Cantor, and then they got Tatum. they switched guards with Charlotte. You got they switched uh, guards with Charlotte. Yeah, you got Kimber. Kimber. So I think that they'll be fine, and then they have a, one of the best coaches in the NBA. So I think that they'll they'll hang tight at four, and then I got at five. I got Brooklyn, man. They got Kyrie. You take D'Angelo out of it and put Kyrie in there. Come on, man. And then it's the East, and then Kyrie gonna have a chip on his shoulder about how Boston and talking trash about him. So I definitely like Kyrie in Brooklyn to take that five seed. Then at six seed, I got the Magic. Just a solid team. With the with, with with solid coaching, I think that they they made the playoffs last year. Why wouldn't they make yeah. it again this year? Then at seven, I got the Heat. I don't, I just don't see Jimmy Butler not making the the playoffs. I mean, I, I don't think I think that he's gonna play. I think that that we're finally not Jimmy got a home. He chose where he wants to be with no trades. I think that he's gonna play on a level that we haven't quite seen yet. Maybe back to his Chicago yeah. days. And then I got the Hawks at number eight. I mean, them young bucks, they ready, man. They got a solid, solid team. They got Redmond, which is a which is a reserve, of course. Then they got Trey Young. They got John Collins. They got John Collins. Man, they're what Hunter, Hunter does in his rookie year. They are, just, they are just a solid, solid team. And I don't think people realize it. And just like you mentioned, they got Reddish. They got these. They got these. They added on to the talent they already have. They're gonna be a fun team to watch. If yeah. I was to, if they, if they, if they was to mirror a young team that I remember is just the the two thousand uh, what twenty eleven uh, Thunder team. That's what they remind me of. Or the twenty ten Thunder team was it the who, that was yeah. who, which team was it that gave us fits in it the was first the round twenty ten. That's what they remind me of. They they just seem like they're gonna be that just just the future yeah. uh, of the league. So that's my top eight, man. I got I got Bucks, Sixers, Pacers, Boston, Brooklyn, Magic, Heat. Hawks, and that's it. Uh, okay. I mean, your top eight is not too much different from my top eight, but over sitting in the East, I have the 76ers as the number one spot. I have them as the number one team. I think that Ben is taking that next step forward. Um, I think that he and Joel Embiid are going to be a problem this year. Josh Richardson was a great addition to that team as a wing defender, but also a guy that was able to get, you know, to score the ball as well. I think Josh Richardson can still give them a good. 17 to 20 points potentially with Tobias Harris also being over there. So that's why I got the Sixers at number one. 
Uh, I have the Bucks at number two. I think that the Bucks are still very good. I think Giannis will take a step forward, but I think that they did lose Malcolm Brogdon, which to me kind of hurts them. Um, they had one more loss that I was thinking of, but I I can't remember it right now. Paul Gasol. <laughs> I ain't, definitely ain't worried about them losing Paul. Uh, but I also have the Pacers at number three. I think that the addition of Malcolm Brogdon over there uh, with Victor Oladipo coming Malcolm back. Malcolm Brogdon? <laughs> yeah, my episode. If you can go back and check out one of our old episodes that we have entitled that. And then um, I think Miles Turner will continue to take another step forward. Uh, I also like uh, Sabonis off the bench for them. He played really well last year. Yeah, Sabonis. Uh, I I didn't like the fact that they did give up uh, your boy. I can't think of his name. I'm, I'm you rubbing off on me a little bit. <laughs> uh, your boy that went to Utah. That's over there, uh, Bogdanovich. Yeah. Uh, I thought that that was a loss for them, but I still think that they'll be at that three seed. For the uh, four seed, I have the Boston Celtics as well. I think that Gordon Hayward will be better this year. Um, as mm-hmm. a pro, Definitely one year removed from that. Yeah, I think Cancer is still a good presence as far as offensively, but I think they'll struggle without that defensive presence of Al Horford on the inside. I also, too, want to see from this year, does Jason Tatum take that leap forward? I believe he lately his name to. has been bigger than his game. Yeah, I, definitely. For sure. I believe that his name has been bigger than his game lately. He, he has to average 20-plus this year. It's, it's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. In order I don't for think him he to will. Live, right, but in order for him to live up to what this hype has been behind Jason Tatum, and don't get me wrong, you know I like Tatum. He comes from Duke. But I know? think he's no more than probably a solid role player, and people wanted to put him in that star category because he got out to a fast start as well. Rightfully so. They said they wouldn't trade AD for him. Come on. Yeah, I mean, but that just shows you how much he displayed. But also, too, I still think in his rookie year, it still was a little bit overvalued as to what it was. Don't get me wrong. That playoff run was a good the run. Play, but that, that's that's me, but, though, Ramon. Yeah. You know how I am. I, it ain't – you could, like – that's what makes me upset about James Harden so much and, and Russell Westbrook and people so quick to put him in this category of, of great. But I don't care what you do in the regular season. You can average 50 points in the regular season for all I care. But if you get to that postseason and you don't show up, it don't matter. And and, and, and that, that rookie season that James, Jason Tatum had and, they, and uh, Boston made that deep run without Kyrie and he was performing – then I, I, I put him in that see, special okay. category, bro. I can see, I can yeah. see what you're saying there. I just think that with Tatum, honestly, his I just honestly feel his name has been bigger than his game. I agree. I, I, yeah, I agree. But I think it's because of that playoff run. Yeah. And, um, and, and, you know, Boston, you know, rightfully so. But like I said, you, like you said, I mean, he don't average 20 points this year. He has to average 20. He has to then, average I mean, 20 this year. They just got, they got, they got Jalen, who's a solid role player. They got um, And they have to Taylor. figure out with Jalen Brown how he handles this whole contract situation. You know, they've been having kind of that little dispute around that. So that's yeah. going to be another interesting thing. But still, said all that to say, I still got yeah. him at four. <laughs> <laughs> we said all that to say yeah, here. Yeah. Um, I got uh the Brooklyn Nets at five for really the same reasons that you said, so I don't really have to harp on that. Yeah. You know, I'm a big Kyrie fan. Me too. I have uh, the Miami Heat at the sixth spot. Oh, okay, over uh, the Magic. Yeah. yeah, I have them. I actually don't have the Magic in my Wow, oh, we'll get to that. But it, I, they were around that. That yeah. bubble for me. Like nine, nine Yeah, they're around that bubble for me. So I have the Miami Heat at six for a lot of the same reasons that you mentioned with Jimmy. I like Tyler Hero as, as a rookie. 
Um, he got I'm, a little chip yeah, on his shoulder. Yeah, so I like that. I like, of course, Dragic. Um, Justice Winslow has finally started to develop some over there for them. Uh, but, no, <laughs> last year. Fellow Dukey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bro, what's up with y'all Duke players, man? Y'all be so hyped coming into uh into out of college. And then when y'all get to the NBA. Didn't you just mention Kyrie, bro? No, I, that's the only one. The only one. The only one. Uh-huh. The only one. Name another name another star that came out of Duke, you know, in the last decade. In the last decade? Okay, hold up, hold up. You got to give me a chance to No, there, there isn't one. That's why it's so hard to that, think of I'll one. I'll give you that. Um, but that we ain't focused no, on that. No, <laughs> oh, now you don't. Not because you think of one. Yeah, this, this, is, this is about the Eastern Conference hey, right man, now. I'm just trying so to make you. Going on the seven, I have the Detroit Pistons. I like kind of what Blake Griffin wow. did. Yeah. I mean, they made the playoffs last year. They were at AC last year. You get Blake Griffin for a four-year over there. I think Blake Griffin had one of his best seasons over there last year, um, especially statistically. But he never I, can stay healthy. Never. Yeah, I give you that. But uh, but I like that over there. I think that Derrick Rose will be a solid piece off the bench. We know that Derrick Rose isn't Chicago Derrick Rose anymore. But what he did last year over there in Minnesota uh, was pretty solid. So I think that... Uh, that Derrick Rose will be a, a welcome addition for them in addition to them already having uh, your boy uh, Reggie Jackson over there and having Drummond over there. So I kind of like that piece as I got them sitting at seven. And then at number eight, I, I re- paid a little bit of respect to the defending champs. I know they don't have, obviously, Kawhi Leonard there anymore, but you still have the likes of Kyle Lowry around. You still have now you pay C. Ockham. You still have OG Ananobi, who's going to come back from that injury that he had last year. You still have Mark Gasol over there. You still have Serge Ibaka. So you still have very solid vets. And also, too, you have one of the best general managers that I believe that will make a move through the course of the season as well. So I have them sitting at that eighth slot. Um, and so that's how the Eastern Conference, that's the outlook for me right there. So one through eight, just running it off. Philadelphia 76ers, Milwaukee Bucks, Indiana Pacers. Boston Celtics, Brooklyn Nets, Miami Heat, Detroit Pistons, and the Toronto Raptors. I actually don't have the Raptors in my top eight. Yeah. Um. What? I. What you think about that? Um. I. I mean, they were one of those fringe teams for me, so I can't say that I feel strongly either yeah, way. Cause it, yeah, because you got them at AC. I have them at AC. To me, they were around that pack where we mentioned, I mean, we, I talked about the Magic. I had the Magic kind of in that bubble. I had the Hawks in that bubble as well. So I think that they're one of those teams that's around that that bubble area. So I can't say I feel strongly either way that I'm going to say, oh, Rob, that's terrible for not having the Hawks. I mean, for not having the Raptors in there, but yeah. I have them in there. I kind of, I, I kind of, I believe in Siakam, you know, but I, I don't know. I, 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 I couldn't. It, it wasn't a thing where I was like, I'm not putting the Raptors in the, yeah, in, yeah, in, yeah. The, in the playoffs, but it was just like there's so many teams in the East that has taken a step forward, you know, and, you know, it, it's speculation around the Heat. It's speculation around the Magic. I really believe that the Hawks will be a solid eight seed because I, I just believe in Trey Young and those young bucks just nice. that much. But, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I, I don't know if I could put them in there because they're the only team in the East to me that has taken a step back, you know. And, you know, they, they really hadn't made any type of, um, I guess, any step forward as far as additions or anything like that, any major additions. So, I mean, I couldn't put, I could I just couldn't put them in my, in my top eight, man. All right. 
I can see it. I mean, I can see it. And I mean, the Magic, I mean, maybe I reached on the Magic, but I just, I like what I saw the second half of the season from yeah, them. They play good basketball. They got nice. Pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. Vooch, man, he's uh, been great for a while. Yeah, even, um, what's his name played well? DJ Aaron, Augustine played well. Yeah, he, he did. And then Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon's over there. You know, and Aaron Gordon has proven to be more, uh, more, uh, more than a, just an athlete. Yeah. You know, he's got, he's gained a little 15. More than an athlete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> But uh, you know, he just you know he he's he's picked up a fifteen foot jumper. Yeah. You know he's he's proven that he can make moves and get his own shot. So and you you can't be, you, as hard as he's worked on his game, you can't imagine that he you wouldn't imagine that he'll probably take another step forward. Yeah. So. Plus I know you know Markel Fultz over there as well. I know that's probably <laughs> was the, the <laughs> thing that really put them over the edge. Man, I'm gonna tell you something about Markel, <laughs> man. Like when he went number one, I was like, who? Like what? I mean, he was nice at Washington, but that's 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 another conversation. Yeah, we don't even need it. We if you want to hear about foods, we have a lot oh, of podcasts yeah, about that that we yeah. talked about them. So you can go into the ball on that. Um, so the Western, Western Conference, Conference. Um, I just run through nine real quickly. I mean, I think the Western Conference has been for the last decade the most interesting conference in the NBA. Uh, maybe beyond that, but I just say the decade yeah. to be safe. So, Western Conference, I got the Nuggets at number one for obvious reasons. Uh, I think that they are the most complete team uh, in the league with Joker, with, with, uh, with uh, you know, Joker Jamal, and Jamal Jamal, Jamal Murray. Jamal, Jamal, Jamal Adams. Adams. <laughs> Shout out to Jamal yeah, Adams. Right Presidential Mall. Yeah. Um, Lakers at two. I got mm-hmm. the Clippers at three. I got the Jazz at four. I'm going to tell you why I got the Jazz at four. I got the Jazz at four. Just, I'm gonna be serious with you. I got the Jazz at four. Mind us, listeners. We're in the in the in the in the, in the we're watching the Saints game right now, and they just gave up their second outside <laughs> kick. So I'm getting kind of nervous. Right. Like, what the so world? just bear with me. But um, yeah, like the I feel like the Jazz. The reason why I got them at four because I feel like they're well coached. Quinn Snyder got his money, got his extension. Um, they were solidly coached last year. Plus, they added Michael Conley. Now, Michael Conley is not one of them like flashy, flashy signings, but he is solid. Yes, it does, right? He's solid. He's a leader. He's an anchor. He's probably one of the top point guards in the league from an intangible size. He makes everybody around him better, and he can go get his. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the Jazz has been known as a defensive team. Michael Conley adds on to that. Yeah. Uh. Then you know you got somebody to 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 to, to upgrade against with along with Donovan Mitchell. So I think that man, like I think the Jazz really are a tough team. Then people will give them credit for. Then I got the Blazers. Blazers, you know how big of a Dame fan yeah. I am. It's Dame time. Dame time. And then what you don't like, but I think was a big signing was Whiteside. I think that that was a big signing for them. And I mean they was a. What there was a number two seed last year, three. number three, number three, number three seed. So I, I mean the Blazers are, are nice, bro. I, I really like them. And the Rockets, I, I got them going in as a six. I got them as like a gritty team. I feel like Westbrook gonna be like, you know, just gonna go off on this run where he's just averaging like 30, 40 points, and he's just gonna be like, man, we getting in the playoffs. And then I got, Myron's gonna like this. I got the Mavs at seven. Ooh. I got. I, I'm. I'm. I'm a believer. Yeah, I'm believing the Przingis and the and the Luka. Dun, and the Luca tandem, bro. I'm. I'm a believer. And then I got eight. I got the Spurs. 
mainly not because I believe in that team so much. I just never can count the Spurs out, out ever, ever. I'm never counting them, count out. them out. So I'm putting them at eight. Gotcha. What's your top eight? Uh, so my top eight, we actually had the same top two. Uh, I got the Denver Nuggets up at number one. I think that they're the deepest team uh, in the Western Conference, potentially the deepest team in the league. And I think that they're also a team, I have them at number one from the sheer fact that I think that they're going to literally put their all in the regular season to get to that number one spot. They're a younger team. Mm. So I believe that some of those veteran teams, some games, they'll be more willing to rest, guys, um, than Denver will be. So I got Denver at that number one spot. I have the Lakers at the number two spot, even though I think that they're the most talented team in the Western Conference. Mm. I have them at that number two slot. I think LeBron will have something to prove again this year, and I think that the pieces just fit well. We've seen them get chemistry just in the preseason, mm. so imagine as the regular season um, goes on. Then I actually, as a surprise, I got the Houston Rockets at three. Wow. That's the reason high, I have man. the Houston Rockets at three is that I envision this team as a team that can prosper in the regular season. Think about Mike D'Antoni-led teams. He figures out a way to get them going, especially offensively in the regular season. Yeah. I think you'll also be able to split up James Harden and Russell Westbrook's minutes more in the regular season when your rotation can be deeper than what it's going to be in the playoffs. So you'll be able to get the best of Russ in his minutes, the best of James Harden in his minutes, and then they'll, of course, have some time on the floor together. But I think that you'll see kind of a version of, of that Rockets team that was the number one seed just a couple years ago with Chris Paul first year over there with James But Lawrence. once they get into the playoffs or once they get into those playoff-type games, if it get late in the season and they're really needing to win some games to, to, to rearrange the seeding, I think that uh, – that Russ and, and James Harden are going to have to spend a lot of time on the floor together, actually. And I don't think that really plays no. to the best of their and ability. I, and, and I feel you. I agree with that as far as them not really fitting on the floor together, which is why I don't really buy them in the playoffs. I just think in the regular season, you're able to kind of spread that out a little bit more. But I do take your point of if it gets down to the nitty-gritty, which it probably will be in the Western Conference, I envision – one through eight not being that many games of differential in the Western Conference. Um, so I have Houston Rockets at three. At four, I have the, the Clippers sitting at four. Um, I think it'll take them a little while to get going, especially with Paul George not there at the beginning of the year. Utah Jazz for a lot of the points that you echo with Mike Conley coming over there. Uh, with Rudy Gobert still being the anchor of that defense, Donovan Mitchell taking a step they got forward, add Bogdanovich to that That's team. huge. And Joe Ingles, who always made, finds a way to destroy Paul George. I'm just throwing that jab in there <laughs> right there. Um, so I got them sitting at uh, that five spot. Then I have the Portland Trailblazers at the six spot. Dame and CJ, that's one of the best tandems out there. Um, I don't buy into Whiteside, like you said, as much as you do. I think that his name is bigger than his game. But I think that he will fill in for some time until they get Nurkic back. Now, once Nurkic mm. comes back, then boom, you're gonna really see the man. You got Nurkic like they got they got three three twin towels to rotate there because they got uh Ennis Cantor. No, Cantor's over in Boston. right Oh, now. he went to Boston. Yeah, he yeah. went to Boston. Well, uh, they got two towers to rotate. Yeah. Um, and then and then, I mean they still got your boy uh, Zach Collins that came out of Gonzaga oh, that was over there. Cut it out. I'm just saying that you, you were talking about the size and the post, so I'm trying to help your argument. Also. I'm just trying to help you out. Um, and then you go to number seven. I have the San Antonio Spurs. Like you said, you can never count them out. But one thing about them, too, is they do get DeJounte Murray back. 
he was set up for a big year last year. I think that he'll have a really good season this year. I think he'll help out DeRozan and also LaMarcus Aldridge a good bit over there. And like you said, you just can't count out the Spurs. You can't count out Greg Popovich. So I have them sitting at seven. And then at number eight, this was a tough one because it came down it came down to kind of another, uh, just a respect thing. I think that they're going to struggle, but I couldn't have my one through eight without putting the Warriors. Yeah, I committed a sin. I, 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 look, I committed a cardinal sin. <laughs> look, I want to say, I want to make an, a, yeah. an addendum to my list. I do. That's disrespectful, and I noticed it when I looked at my list. I'm like, bro, what's Golden mm-hmm. State? I, I got to take out Dallas, bro. Oh, so I'm gonna say you made my heart feel so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, nah, just take it back. I'm gonna take Dallas out because I gotta put. I'm gonna put Golden State at seven, and then I'm gonna put the Spurs at eight. Okay. So I'm, I'm gonna correct that. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put Golden State at seven, and I'm gonna put uh, Spurs at eight. So a Golden State Lakers first round. Ah, we were playing them so many times in the preseason. I'm so sick of it. Yeah, I'm so sick of it. But I mean, like you said, for obvious reasons, they they are defending champions. They've been uh, uh, for the greater part of this decade. They've been one of the most relevant teams in in recent NBA history. Maybe one of the greatest team. They we we witness one of the greatest teams in NBA yeah, history. Yeah, we did. We did. Golden State. So it'll be just too disrespectful to leave them out of this off this off this seating. I do feel like with Steph and when you've been there before, you don't need all the pieces to make it to the playoffs. When you've won multiple championships, you know what it takes. Yeah. Steph knows what it takes. Steve Kerr knows what it takes. Draymond Green yeah. all in tabs when he's bring knows what it takes. And Klay Thompson was a freaking monster with yeah. Kevin Durant out. It, we may have been looking at a Golden State winning the. the uh, oh, oh, yeah, I'm tripping. That, I said they you said the defending champs. Champ. Nah, but they, you know. But that's how many times they won. Right. You just assume. But you know, they we might have would have been looking at a Golden State championship if Clay went a tour his knee yeah. up. So, I think that Clay is way better than what people give him credit for, and he's had to take a step back for the past few years because yeah. of KD. But you really about to see what Clay brings, and what, and I'm thoroughly convinced after his performance in that playoff game before he tore his knee up, that he is ready. Yeah. What twenty points in the first half or something yeah. like? Come nuts. Just, only thing with it is that you know, of course you're waiting to pause All Star break. Yeah, you wait until so it's a whole yeah. season. So I, that brings up the question: Can D'Angelo fit the bill? D'Angelo, D'Angelo is was nice in Brooklyn. I think yeah. that he can shoot. So I think that it, it, it can work. I think it yeah, can work. It'll be interesting. The only thing that you the thing is that they're different. I think he can fit it enough, but even the things that Clay brought on the defensive side, that's where the end ah, struggle. Yeah. Now I think on the offensive side he can fit it. He fits it in a different way. Yeah. And he can make more plays for other players than Clay can yeah. make. He can make more plays, so it'll fit different. And I think D'Angelo's presence will help out Steph in a sense. Yeah, because, spread the floor. Yeah, it spread the floor. It'll also be another playmaker that can get the ball to Steph, that Steph can play yeah. even more off-ball, even though he plays off-ball when Draymond I, is in. But Steph I think too, but. by design, Steve Curry does a good job. Like, Steph is not the best defender in the world. No. He does a good job at hiding Steph on the defensive end. So, I mean, I think that... You know, maybe Steve Kerr can create, like, because, yeah, I mean, they gotta get- man, Golden State be playing boxing one. They be fake yeah. playing zone sometimes. Yeah. Like, they really mix it up. Like, they not yeah. just playing man defense. Yeah, they just got to get healthy on the interior. Willie Cauley-Stein and um, Looney, they need both of them to get healthy. 
as soon as possible because they've been getting dominated. Yeah. So I mean, that's why it is. We putting we put the Golden State at eight out of respect, yeah. we, and then seven with the Spurs. You just can't count them out. But I do strongly believe in the Mavs. Oh, I believe in the Mavs big time. I Porzingis and and Luca are gonna be a problem for years to come. Yeah, that is going. I I guess it's kind of all. But speaking of speaking of duos, bro. Speaking of duos, I know that we envision like I envision Luca and Porzingis to be a great duo. But if you could say your top three, you want top three or top five? Top three duos. Top three duos in the league. You gotta go LeBron and AD. At the number one spot. Yeah. You gonna go one to three. Yeah. Okay. And then you gotta go. When, when they healthy or currently? Let's go healthy. I'll, right. put, it makes healthy. it a little bit easier to so, go healthy. So, they have to be healthy now? Well, that, that's going to get healthy in this season. So, I won't count K- KD. Yeah, because that, that's going to be my number. Yeah. KD's going to okay. be out this year. But you can still, if you envis- if you view Steph and Clay to that level, you can count them just because yeah. Clay will come back. Let's do top five because I got too many. Okay. Uh, I'll go two. I'll go, um, I'll definitely go uh, Dame and, and um, yeah, CJ. CJ. And then i go, uh, oh, no, no, no. Number two, I got to go Kawhi and, uh, and Paul Carl George. George. And then you got to go. I don't see how they're going to work, but just from a talent standpoint, I got to go Russell Westbrook and James Harden, and then I'll go Luka and Porzingis, and then five. I thought I had a fifth one. But Didn't I, you just mention Dame and CJ? And you just I said it again? No, I'm saying you going to take them out your top five? No, I ain't going to take them out my top well, five. Well, they be your fifth then. Oh, I took them off? Yeah, because you remember, okay, you said AD and LeBron. Yeah. You said, uh, so, AD, LeBron, Paul George, and Kawhi. Then I put Dame and CJ. And then I put... Uh, you said Russ and... Russell. I said it already, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, they'll be at four, right? Four. And then my fifth, I would put um, Luca and... Uh, ah, Clay and stuff. Okay. All right. Okay. I got you. So I me, messed that up, though. I feel like I messed it up. Did I say? Let's do this yeah, one more time, I, bro. I, okay, let me go and then let me write, write this down. Yeah, let me write this down. All right. So if we going one through five, since you went in that order, I have AD and LeBron. They're that's the best duo, the most talented duo, but also the duo that fits the best together. Um, if I'm going number two, I gotta go Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. I think that's the second best duo talent wise. Um, if I'm going number three. At the three spot, I'm going to have to go, off talent perspective, I'm going to go Russ and Harden. I got Russ yeah. and Harden at my three spot off talent. Yeah. At my four spot, and this is because I believe one of these guys is going to really take a nice leap forward. Damn. I have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid at my four spot as far as my duos. Okay. So my top five duos. And then at that fifth spot, I got to give respect to Steph and Clay. So I'm gonna go Steph and Clay at that five spot. This is tough. All right, I'm gonna nice. do it. All right, I wrote it down this time. So I got AD and LeBron. I got Kawhi and PG. I got Russ and James. Then I got Dame and CJ. Okay. Because they've actually accomplished something yep. together yep. in the Western Conference, which is tough to yeah, do. Yeah, I, I feel you. Okay, and then um, at five, I mean, I'm not gonna put Luca and Porzingis because they hadn't played a game together. I gotta go Clay and Steph. Clay and Steph. 
Like, Those are my top five. So top I think three. our our difference is me having Ben and Joel and B as opposed to you having Damon. Yeah, man. People don't respect Dame, bro. You got Dame is the truth. Respect Dame, man. Dame is the truth. He, he dismantled. He single handedly dismantled a whole franchise yeah, by himself. Right. That just think about that wave. That, <laughs> that wave, wave so much. So much more, more, that wave means so much more. Yeah. Man. By the way, check out our past, past podcast episode. We got him on the yeah, on the on the. Oh, yeah, yeah, AD was on the episode. All right, so we covered a lot of ground, man. Yeah, we covered a lot of ground. I kind of <laughs> wanted to get into superlatives. Just you want to just maybe just go two of them. See, I, I normally like to get them in preseason. Yeah. So if we go to like MVP and Rookie of the Year, is, is that all right? All right. In my MVPs, I said it earlier. Is, it. is LeBron because he's gonna be playing with a with a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, uh, my MVP is Jokic. Uh, I think with the Nuggets being at that number one seed, I think he's going to put up great numbers across the board, especially even his assist numbers for a big. So I think I have Jokic as my MVP for this year. Okay. Uh, rookie of the year. I think rookie of the year, all right, I'm going to be a little risque. I'm going to go... I'm gonna pass to you. If you don't think about this, okay. All right, rookie of the year. I know a couple of months ago or some episodes ago, I know that I was very solid on the R.J. Barrett train, and I still believe in R.J. Barrett. Not taking anything away from him, but because of the dynamics of the teams and kind of what they have supporting cast wise, and also too how much the team would depend on them, I'm gonna go with John Moran as my rookie of the year. The reason I'm going to go with John Moran as my rookie of the year is because I believe over there in Memphis, there's going to be more dependence on him. It's going to be really the John Moran and Jaron Jackson show over there. I know they have Brooks who came from Oregon. I know he'll be playing well over there as well. But I believe that John Moran is going to be the centerpiece of that team. He's going to be able to create so much for them offensively. I believe he'll have upwards of eight assists per game. And have a chance to put up, you know, 17 to 19 points per game. Um, and so I think that when you look at other ones that will be in the running as far as Zion and you look at R.J. Barrett, I believe that they just have more around them and more competition for the numbers, for the stats, as opposed to John Morant. That's why I have him as my rookie of the year. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm going to tell you why I don't feel comfortable putting Zion as the rookie of the year, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. I'm going to say Zion going to be the rookie of the year, but this is why I didn't. I was going to go a little risque, but you already did it, so I, I'll just somebody has to pick the the normal. But, I mean, I think with, with Zion, it's just his health. I mean, he's starting off the season already. He's going to miss a couple games. And, you know, I think those are the most scary uh scary injuries is when it appears to be a lingering type deal. So, you know, just by that, it's hard to put him there because I don't know if he's going to play the amount of games that it takes to to get the numbers to play. But when he's out there, when he's healthy, he's proven that he's a man. He's a man, you yeah, know. So, and that's without a jump shot, without anything. That's just with him, with effort. He's giving yeah. you 20 points in the preseason. So, if he can stay healthy, I think that he will take it easily. But like you said, I like that John Morant pick too, because I mean, it, just like you said, they 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 say, hey, bye, Michael. You know, yeah, John, look, this is your, you got the keys, and you know, prior to that, if, if you don't know how big of a deal that was, Michael, Michael Conley at the time when he signed his extension was the highest paid him, 
highest played player in the NBA. NBA history. In NBA history. So, I mean, that tells you how much they that he meant to that franchise. And they was willing to depart from him to draft this young cat uh, in John Moran, who I love John yeah, Moran. I love man. me some John Moran. Yeah, I yeah he's, he's an, so I expect a lot of highlights from yeah. him. But, you know, yeah, there you have it, man. Most improved player. Most improved player? Ooh, That's tough, man. That's tough. I think what I'm going to go with is I'm going to pass it to you. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right. Most improved. I think if he can get healthy, I'm going to go Kyle Kuzma. Uh, I think that he's going to have to take one of those centerpiece roles, and he's going to have to be that third, three-headed, uh, that third head on that monster. Uh, once he gets that foot, uh, once he gets that ankle, whatever he got going on, once he get that right, I think he's going to have to take a subliminally step forward. So I think that he's ready for it, but he's got to take that step. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go Kyle Kuzma. It may be my Lakers bias, but yeah. whatever. Uh, I talked about this guy a little bit earlier, but I'm going to go DeJounte Murray. Uh, I think that DeJounte Murray is almost kind of a twofold. But that he could be like a comeback. Like, yeah, I would put player. yeah. Let's, let's put him in the comeback <laughs> okay. player category. We're going to put him in the comeback because yeah. I, I really think that he'll that, That's not like, an improved because he didn't play last year. I mean, it's an improved. Yeah, but I'm but saying from like I, I think he will be the, from the yeah, last time. You can't win played. MIP and comeback, though. You got to be one or the other. That's why I said he's my MIP, man. No, he got to be one. Of, no, man, he's a comeback player, man. Yeah, you it's hard. You want to disqualify my player that I had? Okay, so since you want to disqualify my player that I had, um, I'm trying to think of somebody that I think is gonna take that step forward. Uh, it is tough when you think of the scope of the league. Yeah, it's very tough thinking of the scope of the league. Um. All right, let's just pass, man. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm just going to pass. All right, come, <laughs> come back player of the year, man. DeJounte Murray. All right, go ahead, man. DeJounte Murray, man. I think that DeJounte Murray was headed for um, a really big year last year. I'm not saying he's an all-star type player, but a yeah. very solid player that plays on both ends as well. Um, and so I think that he was headed for a good year last year. Of course, that got derailed by the ACL injury. I don't think he's um, he going to be able to put up the numbers, though. Because he's, he's not really a numbers guy. He's more like a make everybody around me better guy. True, but I still think that there is going to be a little bit of a void there. Like, who who is that number three scoring punch over there? You got Lamarcus. You got you got Lamarcus. You got Demar Derozan. DeRozan. Yeah, so he would he he would have to take a look. Derek White played good for them in the playoffs last year, but it remains to be seen what he's going to look like. Yeah, and if his role will expand. Yeah, Yeah. so uh, that's that's why. Yeah, I I mean, I I I I can see that. I I mean, my mind, I was kind of torn. Uh, with the comeback player because I wanted to. It's it's, it's out of to me. It's out of Porzingis and Aladipo. Um. That's but still good names right there, man. I'm leaning towards Aladipo, though, because <clears throat> I feel like Aladipo is going to play in more. I think his his impact is going to have to be more significant than Porzingis. And I'll tell you this because the Mavs are nipping on playoff contention. I don't I don't know if they they if they make it in they're gonna squeeze in but the yeah. Pacers are gonna be like they I got them what I had the Pacers at like three seed I had them as a seed. as a as a three seed so he's gonna have to make more of an impact and, and his team is gonna be more successful technically in in their division than Porzingis so I think if if Aladipo can average twenty plus points and lead them to a three seed in the playoffs I think that that would that would yeah. be the comeback player I I just think that. 
now that I'm thinking about it more, I think that like a guy like a Porzingis will have more of the perception of a comeback player. As yeah, because he did miss like yeah. what a year and a half, yeah, I think or like, two years. Yeah. Was it two I, years? It was almost two years, close to it. But I think he'll have more of the perception. Like, uh, granted, Oladipo did miss a good bit of time last year, but I don't, I don't know how much he'll have like that stigma of comeback yeah. play. And I don't even know when he's coming back because I hadn't even heard. Like, I don't, I, think I don't know. Good. I you think he's gonna start the season? But that's, I don't, I'm not I don't know because I haven't, I haven't looked at the Pacers like that. Yeah. I know my cousin that's listening right now. He's a big Pacers fan, so he probably he always was a he always was yeah. A, he's been a, a Pacers fan for the longest, as long as I can remember. Of course, you know he remembers that 2000 Finals, the Lakers versus the Pacers, an uh, unfortunate okay. event for him. Yeah, uh, but always been a Pacers fan, so he he been in there through thick and thin. He's not one of them bandwagon uh, type of guys. Yeah, so I mean, we'll we'll see if he debuts. I don't. We don't have that information that we have on our podcast to to, to give to our listeners. We should know that, but we don't know. We, we, yeah, well, they said right now he's expected to return to five on five drills soon. So okay, so yeah, so he's not starting the season. So and and Porzingis will. So already Porzingis has the advantage, but we'll see. We'll see, man. But. I mean, on that note, man, I think we did it, man. I'm looking forward to Tuesday. Um, what you going to be doing Tuesday night, man? Taco Tuesday? I'm just playing. I'm just <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, man, I really do be celebrating. I be taco. You going to catch me at the taco spot. Give me some tacos. <laughs> taco Tuesday, but nah, man. I'm just, I probably, I probably won't be able to wear it the whole day, but I'm going to wear my Lakers shirt at some point, bro. I got to rep Lakers Nation. Um, I'm just going to sit back and watch the games, man. Honestly, both of them, both of them, yeah, both of them, both of them. I'm gonna watch both of them, um, and watch uh two, you know, my my boy Alonzo. I'm still Alonzo and Bi. Yeah, I'm still Alonzo and Bi fan. Gotta watch. I've been watching it. I've been watching his little uh ball show on Facebook. Yeah, it's interesting. (laughs) Hey, we never discussed the ball saga. We gonna we gonna catch that next podcast. We another topic that we say we gonna discuss next episode and never do it. So, so what you gonna be doing too? Cooling, man. When I get off from work, man. Like I said last time, don't you call me. Phone going on silent. I'm watching both games. Uh, it's gonna be fun. I'm gonna have. I feel like me and Lowe's gonna be hitting you in the group, me. And by the time the third quarter hit, you we ain't gonna see <laughs> your messages. So, right? <laughs> we ain't gonna see your Probably messages so, no more. Right? Well, I right? might need to take a nap when I <laughs> take a nap. Sleep, wake up at halftime of the of the, of the Pelicans Raptors game. Yeah. Then you know, watch the second half. Then watch my Lakers because yeah. I will be out like a light. You know how <laughs> it go. But uh, man, it's been fun. Man, it's good to be back. Man, shout out to Los again. He'll be back next week, you dig? For the listeners that was wondering where he was at, why you didn't hear his voice, because he ain't on this episode. (laughs) But he'll be back the next time that we record, which will be next week. We're going to be in this thing. Uh, When you hear this tomorrow, which will be Monday, we hope that we did a good job. If we didn't, let us know. If we did, let us know. Tell a friend. I hear a lot of people telling me that they really like our podcast and they really like what they're hearing from us. So make sure that you tell a friend. Tell somebody. Look, man, it's this new hot sports podcast that I need to put you on. I promise they won't regret it just like you didn't. Um, But shout out to all the supporters. Shout out to everybody, all the listeners. Thank you for hanging us through this episode. Make sure that you follow us on O underscore Benchwarmers. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. That's Google Play. Wherever you like to listen to your podcast, just make sure you subscribe. That way that you can really get a notification about when we drop our episodes. 
Um, shout out to Shadow Worlds Radio. Make sure that you check them out. We're on their platform, and they have a whole bunch of other content that is cool, dope content that you would like to consume. So we're a part of their lineup, so make sure that you check them out. Shadow Worlds Radio, and you just Google them, and their website will come up. Click on it. We're there. A ton of other people are there. Different topics that they're covering outside of sports and everything. Real, real, real dope. Real dope show and real dope radio network. So until next time you hear it, until next time you hear us, we, we just bid you adieu. Peace out. Peace.